Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Okay, if you listen to this podcast and you're into internet stuff and podcasts, chances are you probably already listened to the wonderful podcast from Gimlet Media called Reply All. Uh, that show has a lot more listeners than we do because they're like professionals at the podcasting game. <laughs> if you don't somehow listen to Reply All, uh, first, you should, because as I said, it's it's pretty, pretty great. Um, but uh, anyways, if you have not listened to the two-parter that they did recently about an Indian call center, uh, the episodes are called Long Distance, um, you, you might enjoy this conversation more if you went and listened to that first. Uh, because today we have Alex Goldman on the show, and he's one of the hosts of Reply All. Uh, and two, uh, the two-part long distance episode is an amazing story about how he went so far beyond what any uh, sane and normal person might do uh, to try and find out who was behind a telephone call scam that uh, literally had me screaming aloud in my car as I was listening to it. Uh, and so I asked Alex to be on the show uh, just to discuss what happened and everything. Uh, and and let me be clear, uh, there are a ridiculous number of twists and turns in Alex's story, and it's really great to he uh, hear them uh, as they unfold and surprise you one by one as you listen to them. And I can guarantee that if you listen to Alex and I talking uh, in a minute or so, uh, we're going to spoil at least a few of those twists and turns because I need to talk about them. <laughs> so uh, if you have listened to those Reply All episodes, you're good to go. Uh, if you haven't, you might want to shut us off and go listen to them. Uh, or if you don't mind having stuff spoiled, well, you be you and, and you <laughs> suffer away. Uh, I'm not going to force you to do anything. Uh, I'll just say you've been warned. Uh, but because I kind of know that at least some of you will not heed this warning and will still be listening. Uh, Alex, I I'm going to ask you to at least repeat how this adventure got started. Sure. Uh, okay. So I was, <laughs> I was at work one day. I got, I, and I was doing a, um, I was recording an episode, actually. We were, it was the day before an episode was supposed to come out. And uh, during some downtime, I got a phone call, a 1-800 number called my phone. And I picked up the 1-800 number and it said, uh, it, was a, it was a robocall. It said, your iCloud may be compromised. Please <laughs> refrain from using any devices until you call 1-800, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so I said to my co-host, I said, Let, turn on the, or I said to my producer, rather, Damiano Marchetti, I said, turn on the uh, recorder and let's, uh, let's record this and see what happens. And so I called and basically right away, I mean, it, it just reeked of a scam. There was, I, I, I was under no illusions that I was talking to <laughs> someone who is actually trying to fix a computer that someone for, who is from Apple, um, they said, your iCloud we have, we've seen on our servers that your iCloud has been compromised. I think they said, have you been to Jordan or Germany in the past two days? And huh. I said, no. And they said, okay, well, we've seen people access it from those places. So your banking information, all, all of your information is vulnerable. And 
at that point I said, okay, I, I know what's going on here. <laughs> I, I, the, the, the jig is up. I know that you guys are scamming me because um, I looked this number up. It has no association with Apple. And the guy at first responded by threatening me. He said, you know, <laughs> we are anonymous. We are legion. Expect us. We yeah. are sh demolishing all of your social media identities. The police are on their way to your house because we've put child porn on your computer. Um, and when he saw that I wasn't going to fall for that, he did something that I absolutely didn't expect, which was started answering my questions somewhat candidly about, you know, how much money they make, how many people work in the uh, call center. And... After that conversation, uh, Damiano was like, that was incredible. It was so amazing. And I thought, I thought, yeah, whatever. It's just your garden variety phone scammer. Right. And then I played it for our executive producer, Tim Howard, and he, he just said, start calling back. Start calling back every day. You had a great rapport with this guy. Go back and talk to him. Oh so I started gosh. calling more and more. Um, and that's kind of what set us off on this weird path that we took. Yeah. And I, I got to say, I mean, in listening to it, the point where, because you're, you know, you're sort of calling him on the scam. And at first he was sort of denying it and, and doing what I, you know, probably what they usually do if somebody starts to question them. And and then he pulls out the anonymous slogan. <laughs> and I was right. like, what the, what the hell is this guy thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was very weird. I, I mean, it seemed, he seemed very cocky, like yeah. very confident in his ability to portray himself as a hacker, very confident in his ability to um, freak me out. But then I didn't, I didn't budge. I didn't seem all that scared. Right. <laughs> so the conversation just got kind of candid and, and actually kind of goofy. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it was kind of weird because it, it sort of goes back and forth between like, um, you know, where he's he's either like upset with you or 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 then just very candid and and what what was weird to me in listening to it and and this shows up you know throughout the the sort of two part episode is how he sort of switches modes fairly seamlessly between like being nice and friendly and and being kind of a jerk yeah and friendly and jerk like the 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 distance between those two with this particular person is very very short um a lot of times he can be being friendly in like a really jerky way. <laughs> like in, in one call, one call I looked at, he looked me up and he was like, I see you on Google. You're fat, you're balding. Uh, you have spectacles and a weird smile. And I was like, okay, he's, he's fucking with me. He's being funny, but right. he's being a jerk. Right. <laughs> That's incredible. And then, um, so, so sort of like, Step two that, that was kind of amazing to me was that on one of those times that you called back, you actually let them connect to your computer? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, it's an obvious disclaimer. None of, your, none of your listeners are going to do this, but don't ever let anybody connect to your computer like that. It was in the moment. I had no idea what their scam was. And when they said, I, we want to connect to your computer, I was like, well, I don't have a virtual machine running on this. But I can't miss this opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and let him connect to me. Worst comes to worst, I'll restore my computer from Time Machine from a couple days ago. Um, but this is, I know this is ill-advised. Going into this, I know this is ill-advised. <laughs> it's incredibly so, ill-advised. Yes, incredibly ill-advised. So, I mean, I let him connect to my computer just to see what their scam was. Right. And I have a Mac, so he opened Terminal. He ran this command called Netstat, which is just shows you all of the computer's open connections to the Internet. Um, totally standard. It spits out a bunch of technical information about open ports and that kind of thing. But two 
the untrained eye to anybody who doesn't use their, their who's not using who's not like a network administrator or right. someone who has that kind of a, a, a knowledge, it would look pretty sketchy, I think. Right. And so um, he opened up the thing, he ran Netstat, and then he minimized the window so that it was incredibly small. But while it was incredibly small, he was writing in it. <laughs> and then he opened it back up, he expanded it back out, and it said, it was, it was meant to say Zeus Trojan detected... Uh-huh. To try and frighten me into paying for their services, but what he had written was Zeus Troan detected, <laughs> missing the J. Yeah. So when I told when I said no, it doesn't say Trojan; it says Troan. He was like, Ah, yes, you have a Zeus Troan on your computer. <laughs> and so <laughs> the best. I, I called him out on it, and he right. was like, Well, you must be very smart. You must be very technically savvy. And I said, No, I'm not that technically savvy. You just misspelled Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh gosh. I mean, it. Well. It makes you slightly depressed to how many people will fall for that. <laughs> a little bit, but at the same time, I think that part of what makes a lot of technology super successful, part of what makes the iPhones successful, is mm-hmm. that you never see any of the back end. You never need True. to know any of that stuff. And as a designer of things that you want to make money selling, that's great. As someone who's trying to increase, you know, you know, computer literacy, it's it's terrible. And right. It allows people like this to prey on people. Right, right, right. And 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 again, for for the people who haven't listened to the two episodes, we should just sort of explain what what the actual scam is, right? So they're going to tell you that that your machine has been compromised by whatever they they choose, nefarious uh, hackers or trojans or whatever. Right, and then they want to sell you like antivirus software or something. Yeah, um, they 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 want to. I think that what they're actually doing based on other information I've gotten, is that they say, all right, give us 45 minutes on your computer, we'll fix it. And during that time, um, most of the time they just sat there and did nothing or screwed around on your computer. Uh, Occasionally they would go through your personal information and see if they could get anything from you. And then they'd say, okay, all fixed. And that was that. They'd pocket your money and... um, and off you go with huh. uh, your your non-existent virus has now been fixed. Right. But if you if you were one of the people who they managed to dupe, they add you to a list of people to revisit oh. because they realize that you are you are potentially someone who you can get right that you can uh, you can repeatedly go to for money. Right. Totally. Wow. This actually reminds me of. Uh... Uh, I think my parents almost got caught in in something like this, um, where they were having I think they were having a problem with their printer, and I think what happened was they had done like a Google search for like HP support or something, and 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 this goes back to I think you guys had done another podcast a while back about these kinds of scams, right? Um, yeah, where, where people Google the wrong number basically, or right, and uh, and so I think they got on the line with with one of those things and and um like i'd gotten a frantic text message from my sister saying there's you know some some tech support person on the phone trying to get four hundred dollars from mom and dad i don't think that's right (laughs) and 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 the guy was so persistent that you know he was willing to talk to me so he actually called me and i was (laughs) i was with my son at a baseball game and and i'm sitting there in the stands arguing with this guy who's who's trying to explain to me how he was going to sell I can't remember what it was, but he was talking about how he was going to encrypt their computer 
And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that makes no <laughs> sense. And he was like telling me all this, you know, technical nonsense. Um, and he and he kept insisting that like, you know, he he worked, they, they would like partner with the, the, you know, cable company. And like, there was all this, you know, ongoing nonsense. And I kept, you know, trying to figure out what the deal was. And I was kind of like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know if it was a scam or if it was just like, just something weird and sketchy. Um, and eventually they, you know, we, we got him off the phone and they didn't do anything. But <laughs> well, one of the things that I found out, which was like kind of mind boggling to me, was just how many people have stories of relatives or people that they know or themselves get it, be falling victims to this kind of scam. Yeah. Um, including people that I knew well and uh, d- had just never said it, usually out of shame because right. it's a little embarrassing. But um, so a good example would be I spoke to the. I spoke to an investigator at the FTC about this and I said, Uh you know, what do you guys do? I was talking to him about what do you do? How do you partner with uh, foreign governments, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, yeah, my mom, my mom knows (laughs) what I do for a living. She fell prey to this not too long ago or almost fell prey to it. Right. And I was talking to, I I visited my family this weekend and I was talking to my stepmom and my stepmom was like, oh yeah, my mother had this happen to her just like a couple of years ago. Wow. Um, they got something like $800 off of her. And it was a situation where it was a repeat of, they, they, they recognized that she didn't know better and then right. contacted her repeatedly and got, got money from her more than once. Right. I mean, it's kind of like a, a sort of modern take on the, like, you know, Nigerian prince email scams. Yeah. That's, I'd say that's a, actually a very fair assessment of it. Um, and it doesn't require any real technical skill. The most you have to do is is be able to, you know, uh, walk someone through installing a Citrix downloader on their computer, and then you can kind of handle the rest. Right. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, and you know, I also spoke to, I also spoke to um, someone who works in the digital crimes unit at Microsoft for, for this story, mm-hmm. and she told me that. There are a couple different vectors by which people get these pop-ups it's, or get these, uh, get these numbers or get warnings that their computer's mm-hmm. been infected. There's, there's, there's phone calls, which is what I got. Right. There are pop-ups, which appear usually on you know uh, illegal downloading sites and things like that, right. um, which say, you know, your computer, you may have a virus. And then it, it says, call this number. The call centers pay for the pop-up provider for the person who who's who pays for these pop-ups to appear on these things they pay for x number of them to have their phone number in them uh-huh. um and then there's emails they just send emails in the in the nigerian scam right but what she told me was the people who actually get on the phone with these folks and complete the uh transaction there are more of them in the 25 to 34 year old bracket than there are in sort of the senior citizen bracket, which is what I expected. And I I asked if she had any idea why. And she said, it's hard to say. My best guess is that young people spend so much time on the internet and they're so used to the, their computers telling them when they need something, (laughs) when it needs something, (laughs) that when they see this, this thing pop up that says you may have a virus call Microsoft, here's the number. They just, sort of credulously call the number. Wow. Yeah. So it's something like 20% of 25 to 34-year-olds actually get on the phone and some smaller percentage, I think, 10 to 12% actually complete the transaction, which is mind-boggling. Wow. Me. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. 
Um, and so, so the 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 ones that you talked to were were in India. Are mo Does it sound like most of these scams are coming out of India, or is it they're coming out of all over the place? Or, well, I think they're coming out of all over the place. Um, I actually heard from people in the U.S. after the story came out that said, "Yeah, we basically did the same thing in the United States for a while." Um, wow. I think that so India has tens of thousands of call centers across the country. Right. And one of the things that I learned from people who lived there is that a lot of times these call centers have basically a front door out a front of like a front room operation and a back room operation. They oh. have a legitimate operation in the front that is outsourced call center for an American company. Right. And then in the back they have, you know, a couple guys running scams. Right. So so I I don't think most of them are as completely scammy as the one that I was interacting with. Right. But I think a lot of call centers have this issue. And, you know, big call centers. There's a company called iYogi that is, uh -huh. it has tens of thousands of employees that's currently being sued by the uh, attorney general of Washington State for running this exact, exact scam. Huh. I looked it up online. I looked at the complaint online and it is to a T. People getting on people's computers remotely, telling them they have a virus, paying for non-existent tech support. It's the exact same stuff. Wow. Story. Yeah. Interesting. I'll, I'll definitely have to look that up. Um, but then, and, and and again, spoilers for, for people who haven't listened to the episodes. In, in, in your thing, you actually then chose to go to India to try and track these guys down? Well, you know, a funny thing happened along the way, <laughs> which is that... One of the people who ran the company, one of the people, the base, essentially the floor manager of the company, uh -huh. he, he, he said, look, stop calling my company. Stop harassing my company. If you want to call and talk and ask questions, here's my cell phone number. Right. And when he did it, I said, there's no way this is a real number. Uh, I'm going to call this and there's gonna, it's going to be disconnected or there's no answer. But um, I would call him and he would pick up and we would chat sometimes about the call center, sometimes about nothing, sometimes about, you know, Donald Trump. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it was, again, it was a situation where he was feeling me out and I was feeling him out and it, it, neither of us really knew what the other one was up to. Right. Um, I, I, I tried, part of what made me successful over the course of this investigation was to, was no matter what I was being told, just to be credulous and take everybody at their word and... Uh, and just sort of let them, for lack of a better word, sort of hoist themselves by their own petards by being, <laughs> being as 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 open to whatever their scam was as possible. Right. So, I wasn't totally sure when Kamal, the guy who I was speaking to, told me that he had left the company. I wasn't sure if he was telling me the truth or not. But right. I I basically said to him, "Okay, sure, that's great. You left the company. Let's keep chatting. Tell me more about this place you used to work." Tell me, um, you know, what your connections to other countries were. Tell me, you know, how you process payments. And he, I think, disingenuously, at, now, in retrospect, yeah. I think disingenuously, said, you know, if you're ever in India, you should come visit. I would love to hang out with you. And, you know, we could go to, we could go to Agra. We could go to Taj Mahal. We, you can come sightsee. It'll be fun. And um, I think he was saying it just because... He figured there was no real fear that I would ever actually do it. Right. And then I, I called him on his bluff. Right. I, yes. I, I, I said, hey, listen, come on. I'm on my way out there. Um, so you, I, you, you told him like basically right before you were 
I, I told him that I was planning on going. I let him know a couple weeks in advance. Okay. And then I said, hey, I'll be out there in a couple days. And again, I expected him to just, you know, ghost me. It's a city of 20 million people. It wouldn't be right to, to, to not, not come hang out with me. Right. But he, but he did. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) and that got weird pretty quick. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, from, from the, again, it, it helps if you've listened to the podcast, but it definitely gets weird because you, you, you know, discover that he was not being entirely honest with you, which is not <laughs> entirely surprising either. I mean, I was under no illusions that he was being totally honest with me. Sure. But, um, you know, I I was surprised at how, ha- I guess, and this is a, I, I would say this is a, a, a certain amount of naivete, naivete that I, I'm comfortable having in this situation. <laughs> um, like, I, I have gotten people who've listened to the episodes and been like, how could you be so stupid and not <laughs> n- not realize this guy was playing you the whole time? And my thought is, you know, if I if I acted as though he was playing me the whole time, or if I acted, you know, cynical in any way, uh-huh. I never would have gotten the invite. Yeah. So I just had to play on his terms, at least until I got, you know, FaceTime with him. Yeah, but in, I mean, in doing that, like, I mean, I, I, this is more of a psychological question than anything else. Like, does part of your brain actually believe it? Um, there were points at which I w- really wanted to believe it. Right. You know, I mean, I really wanted to believe that this guy was, you know, one of the things that we learned over the course of reporting this is at this call center and pretty much all call centers in, in, um, in India, where people are doing call center scams, the people who are actually manning the phones, for the most part, are treated really poorly. They mm. come from they come from parts of India that are generally pretty poor. Um, they're good English speakers, but they honest they usually are either just out of high school or just out of college. Mm. They apply for a tech center job, and the tech center obviously a tech center isn't going to going to post a, a listing that says, hey, we perform fraudulent tech support. <laughs> right. Um, so they get to the job and they get trained as though it's a legitimate a, a legitimate uh, tech support company. They call it um, outbound process, meaning mm. they, they make outbound calls. So they say, you know, I was told it was a legitimate process for Apple. We were being subcontracted by Apple. And then I start in the gig and I realize that what they're telling me to do is tell people that they have viruses even when they don't. And... These are people, like I said, who usually come from pretty rural and pretty poor places. They're mm-hmm. coming to the city to make money to send home. And at this point, they're stuck. They're right. stuck in a situation where they have to stay in these jobs. They can't go home, really. Um, and on top of that, everyone that I talked to, to a person, said that the owners of this company either didn't pay them for the whole time they were there, paid them significantly less than they were supposed to get, took their commissions, stopped paying them a month before they quit. Um, I spoke to one woman who, uh, actually Damiano spoke to her. Damiano spoke to a woman who said that she'd gotten paid $400 for eight months of work. Wow. And if you consider, I would say that the average salary is probably two to $300 a month, hmm. which is not a lot, but still in eight months, she would have made a lot more than, than right. $400. And so she eventually had to quit and she kept asking them for her money because it was supposed to be uh, commission money. And they just kept saying, no, we can't for this arbitrary reason or that arbitrary reason. And then finally she was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to quit. And they said, okay, bye. We're going to keep your money. Right. You know? So, um, 
it is a part of me thought, okay, so this guy that I'm talking to, he just left this job where they treat people pretty badly. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that he might tell me more right. about about what's going on there. Right. You know? And and you did speak to other, I mean, like that one person you talked about, you did speak to other ex-employees of the company? Yeah, I spoke to, I'd say that we spoke to uh, close to a dozen. Wow. Uh, not all of them made it into the episode, but... How, and how did you track those people down? Well, so the reason that um, I was able to track anybody down is because the company uh, was not very careful in registering their websites they registered them <laughs> under uh a couple of names some real some fake but they were consistent across all of their websites okay so i was able to go back and look and find you know 25 30 tech support websites that were targeted at the u.s and at the uk um that all had that were all registered to this company and they had this website called acostings acostings infotech private limited which mm. is the name of their company and once I found this website for a call center among this website, these many websites for tech support, right. I thought maybe this is the real place. And I looked it up online and found job listings for the company. I found former employees putting it on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I just started contacting all of them. And many of them had pretty embittered stories to tell about being treated poorly there. Right. That's, it's, <laughs> the whole thing is so incredible. Um, and then, I mean, you know, at least from, from my impression and listening to the story, then when you, you go there and you, you meet some of the guys and you talk to them, um, like, I mean, this sounds like an organized crime outfit. Yes. Uh, that's <laughs> the impression that I get. Um, I mean, the, it, it seems like it se not only are they, are they operating in, in India, but they have relationships with people in the UK and the US in order to process uh, payments. Um, uh, along those lines there, along the lines of organized crime, there were people, everyone that we talked to said, please don't use my name. Right. I could be in danger if you do. They, I have no doubt that they would send the police to my house and say that I stole data from their company, that right. kind of thing. And in fact, at one point during a conversation with them while we were in India, we were asking about, um, one of the many characters that we had spoken to on the phone. And he said, ah, fuck that guy. That guy stole money for, stole uh, data from my company. And so I thought to myself, oh, this is not just something that this person we spoke to is making up. This right. is actually something that they they accuse people of. So. Yeah. So, so let me ask. So since the, the story has been out, what, what's the response been? Um, the response has been, uh, remarkable. I mean, the response has been really crazy. It's gotten way more attention than I think any episode we've ever done before. Huh. Um, and uh, I would say that most of it's positive. There are, <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of people who say, you know, that there is a sort of insensitivity to the, the you know, struggles of people who live in, in, in sort of this globalist economy and uh -huh. they are paid to these arbitrarily low wages. Um, I think that is all true. I think that uh, it, it's possible to have real compassion for people who have to scam for a living. Right. It is also possible to think that the folks who are exploiting them are crappy. Yes. And I also think that it's possible to think that a guy saying that, you know, I'm responsible for Hiroshima is funny. Like, I think all of those things are... Are, are 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 possible to happen in this story right um, 
and even like you know in your in that very first call that you had like when you start talking to the guy and he kind of you know he more or less says at one point like well you know it's fine to scam you people because you're rich right right i understand i understand the sentiment yeah i certainly wouldn't fault someone that having that sentiment at all i happen not to agree being the right. person who is who who is who was attempted tempting to be scammed but i totally understand where that comes from sure um and like i said the guy who was on the phone probably getting underpaid probably getting his money stolen from him probably trying to protect a family that uh, in that doesn't have a lot of money either um that doesn't mean that i think that the operation should continue i think it should probably go away but you know, it's it's hard not to feel, you know, it's hard not to empathize with people who are in a much more difficult situation than I can ever imagine. And have you, since it aired, have you heard from, I mean, like the main guy that you were talking to at all? Or has he completely disappeared? I contacted him before the episode came out to say, here's what we're going to say about you. You have the opportunity to correct that information. And he essentially said, say whatever you want about me. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you anything. And huh. that, that was the last time we talked. Uh, and that was before the first episode. Uh, what, I can, what I can tell you, and, and I think this is a Tech Dirt exclusive, All right. is that after the first episode aired, many of the websites that, he, that, they, that were registered to this company went dark. A lot of them shut down. Quick PC Resolve, Acostings.com, all of them went down. Right. And I was looking through the Whois records just because I was curious. A lot of them had gone from being registered to specific people to being registered to private names, or to be being registered by like a domains by proxy or oh know, right right a host so protector. Hide. Yeah. But one of the websites they changed the registrar to Alex Goldman, and <laughs> and they put my they put my phone number on there. Oh no. Really? Yeah, I, I reported it to GoDaddy Abuse, and it was taken care of pretty quickly. But I thought it was—I I thought it was a pretty funny move. <laughs> it yeah, was like, it was like the height of pettiness. That's yeah, the way that they responded, I thought it was very funny. Wow, yeah, that, that is kind of fitting. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I did look up the web pages, and I did see that they were gone. At least by the time I looked for them, um, and <laughs> the the whole thing was was incredible. And then, I mean. You know, the other question, like, again, I, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, it did feel like these guys are organized crime, but, um, like, did you feel in danger? Like, listening to the part when you're in India, like, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how I would handle that because, like, it, it certainly felt like you guys were in danger at a couple points. It, yes. There were parts where I did feel like we were in danger. And, uh, you know, there are people, I, I feel like, there's a part of me that wonders why I didn't, you know, push them harder and why I didn't do X, Y, and Z while I was there when I had the opportunity to be speaking to them face to face. But it didn't feel safe. And yeah. it, I, I wasn't on my home turf. I didn't yeah. know anyone. I didn't know. I, I don't know anything about the authorities there, really. And there were... Um, a good example would be we went to we went to this restaurant called the Tourist Lounge to meet mm-hmm. with them, and I should say that the Tourist Lounge has several different menus of various ethnic foods, all of which are meant to look like passports from those <laughs> specific places. So the American food is in a blue is a menu shaped like a blue passport with a blue passport, <laughs> and then the Indian food is in, uh, sort of a maroon passport like the Indian passport. Right. Um, it was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, 
But when we got there, we set up and we were ready to dig in and ask tough questions. And then they arrived and they were talking to the manager. They knew the, they knew the waiter. They knew, every, they knew everyone there. We hmm. were in their house, basically. Right. And that is totally by design. Who yeah. knows what could have happened? Um, and, and we worked with a, an incredible reporter from the Hindustan Times named Snigda Poonam, mm-hmm. who has done great reporting on call center scams. And she said to me, you know, these people are violent. Right. They're, they're not, they are not menacing as an empty threat. Uh, right. I, I've talked to people who have worked at these places who either uh, under the weight of, you know, doing the wrong thing, you know, cheating people or because they just didn't want to work there anymore or, you know, whatever, crossed these guys and got beat up. Right. They got attacked. So I don't know. Yes, I did feel in danger. <laughs> um, I felt a little out of my depth. I think it comes through very clearly on the radio. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, listening to that, I, I, I was just, you know, if putting myself in, in your shoes and I was like, I, well, I would not have gone nearly that far and I probably <laughs> would have run away much, much sooner. Right. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I, listening to it, you could see how it could have gone really bad. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think part of, here, I have some theories as to why they would have invited me there. Okay. And part of me feels like, first of all, I think that they thought I was trying to blackmail them. Um, huh. I think that part of the reason, if you listen to Kamal talking to me on the phone, and uh, and both in the first episode and at the end of the second one, he keeps saying to me, I want to know what you want. What do you want? Mm. Why do you keep doing this? What do you want? And, and <clears throat> I spoke to a reporter who has worked in South America, and he said, you know, in a lot of places around the world, uh, investigative reporters, quote unquote, are people who learn a lot about a place and then get paid not to publish it. Right. So I can see why they would have done that, why they would have felt that. Right. And the other thing I think might they might have thought is that I was, I was trying to, in sort of a sideways fashion, say, I know a lot about your company, um, give me the goods on other companies, um, and I'll leave you alone. Oh. But really, <laughs> I was just interested in them. I was interested in who these people were, and I, I was hoping to learn more about them. And I, yeah. I unfortunately, um, they decided to. They decided that they weren't interested in that at all. Yeah. You know? Well, you can understand why. Absolutely, I can understand <laughs> why. Yeah, I mean, there is this incredible part, sort of in the middle of the first episode too, where you're basically doing that thing where you're calling back every day, and and I I just have this you know picture in my head of what it must have been like in that call center where where they they must have just you know you had a reputation. <laughs> I absolutely had a reputation, and there were a lot of people. I mean, for a while, for a while, there were people just hanging up on me all the time. It was just right. any time I called, they would hang up on me. They blocked my cell phone number. Um, wow. from, but the thing is that they had, you know, 20 different websites and 10 different 800 numbers to try and make themselves, you know, not look like one company that was bringing in all these scams. So whenever they blocked my number from one number, I could just go to another and call from there. It was very, I mean, it, their setup made them seem less conspicuous, but it also made it much easier for us to, you know, get in touch with them. Right. Right. Yeah. The whole story is just, incredible i mean it was uh i mean i was driving to work 
listening to the first one and and literally like just screaming <laughs> I was like, oh my god <laughs> like how is this oh my god well, it's it's uh, the whole thing is incredible um it's it's a it's a really great story um i mean well, thank you so much i really appreciate it yeah no and 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 thanks for for taking the time to 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 talk to me about it cuz i had to talk to someone i figured you <laughs> you were a good one <laughs> right. absolutely absolutely thanks for having me sure cool um and uh uh keep you know keep doing what you do uh, i'm sure you will uh, as always and, and again for anyone who somehow listens to us and and doesn't listen to reply all uh, go fix that um and uh so once again uh thanks for joining us uh alex and thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week